KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Thursday, March 17th. A Ukrainian refugee reflects on their journey to the U.S. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. A federal jury ordered San Diego County to pay $85 million to the family of a man who died in 2015 after being arrested by sheriff's deputies. The family of Lucky Founzi says he was experiencing a mental health crisis when 911 was called. Sheriff's deputies responded to a family member's home in Santee, and according to the lawsuit, they tased, struck, and restrained him in an unsafe manner. Founzi died in the hospital a few days later. In a statement, the sheriff's department said it is aware of the verdict and plans to meet with its counsel to discuss it. Afghan refugees in the U.S., including those who settled in San Diego, will be allowed to stay under temporary protected status for at least 18 months. The government made the announcement on Wednesday. It's a move that'll help some of the thousands who arrived following the American withdrawal from their country. To qualify for the program, Afghans must already be in the U.S. and pass a background check. The program is intended to help thousands who evacuated to the U.S. as Afghanistan fell to the Taliban. California Highway Patrol officers and San Diego County Sheriff's deputies will be out across the region today looking for drunk drivers as St. Patrick's Day celebrations get underway. Last year on St. Patrick's, three people were killed and 76 were injured in California due to suspected DUI offenders. San Diego Sheriff's will be out starting at 6 p.m. through 6 a.m. the following day. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. A Ukrainian war refugee was finally united with relatives in California. Now that she's here, she says asylum seekers from other countries should get the same opportunity. KPBS border reporter Gustavo Solis says there's a growing inequity at the southern border. She did everything for me. She like she saved my life, I think. Uh... That was Natalia Polikova thanking her aunt for helping her get into the U.S. after a harrowing journey. Polyakova fled Ukraine on the fifth day of the Russian invasion. She flew to Mexico and originally planned to cross the border to reunite with her family in California. 
but at first, officials at the San Ysidro Port of Entry told her she couldn't cross because of the pandemic. So she slept outside, right next to the border crossing for three days before officials changed their minds and let her and other war refugees into the country. But those same officials continued to turn away asylum seekers from other countries. There was two Mexican guys who sitting with us like for 12 hours and uh, officers from um, U.S. saying them just like, uh, we don't have place for you guys. Sorry. And they sit in. And there was a lot of families with kids from Cuba, Mexico and other countries. And nobody was allowed. Yenya Files is Polykova's aunt. She's grateful for their reunion, but is outraged that officials are prioritizing European asylum seekers over others. I also can't imagine how frustrating it is for the families that are not Caucasian and not white because they're being looked over at the same time. I'm so thankful that I get to have her here. (laughs) I, I haven't seen her in 13 years. And the feeling that I got once... I got to hug her again. It's like the the world's weight fell off of my shoulders and I can breathe again because she's here, she's safe, she's okay. And it shouldn't just be, it should be for everyone. This This really is a humanitarian issue. They both want everyone to have the same opportunity, to experience the same joy of being safe and together. I'm just, I'm grateful that she's here, she's alive, she's safe, and I want everyone else to have that. Yes, everyone. Everyone deserves for help when they don't have a home or war started on every or everything. Everybody deserves to be with families in warm place with food and everything. Border officials have used a public health order called Title 42 to keep asylum seekers out of the country. The Trump administration implemented the order in March 2020 and used the pandemic as a justification. It gives border officials the authority to turn away asylum seekers, but also the discretion to grant them exemptions on a case-by-case basis. Blaine Bookie is an immigration lawyer. She says Mexican, Haitian, and Central American asylum seekers are getting much different treatment from border officials. You know, you couldn't have a you know, starker contrast in terms of their treatment. Consider that hundreds of Central American and Mexican asylum seekers spent nearly two years in a makeshift migrant camp just south of another border crossing, waiting for the same opportunity as Polyakova. That camp was cleared by Tijuana police in February, leaving some families homeless. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's no no way around it. It's, it's racist policies that are being applied to um, black and brown people different than being applied to others. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. San Diego's November ballot could include a measure to allow the city to charge fees for trash pickup. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen says the proposal took a step forward on Wednesday. San Diego is the only big city in California that provides free trash pickup to single-family homes while requiring apartment buildings and businesses to pay for private trash hauling. Past city councils have shied away from changing the law, called the People's Ordinance. But City Council President Sean Ilo Rivera says it's fundamentally unfair and hurts the city's ability to meet its waste reduction goals. Reforming the People's Ordinance does not need to be a quagmire or an albatross or a third rail. Um, It can be those things if we make it one. Um, But doing this is doable. 
and it's imperative that we do so. The council's rules committee voted Wednesday to start drafting ballot language on the measure. Actually placing it on the ballot requires another vote. Andrew Bowen, KPBS News. The city of Oceanside was at one point referred to as Ocean Slime. But now it's quickly becoming the next tourist hotspot in San Diego. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne has more on the city's history and how it's changing. Pictures of lowriders, folklorico dancers, and portraits of homeless make up an exhibit at the Oceanside Museum of Art. This is Oceanside in a nutshell, basically. The exhibit is called Oceanside Unfiltered, and Zach Cordner is the curator. This show is really shows how there's layers in our city that form what we are. And, you know, it's not just about surfing. It's not just about the piers. You know, uh, it's, it's all the different fabrics of the community coming together to weave what Oceanside is, which is this multicultural melting pot. He's a photographer and publisher for the Oceider and Encinitas magazines. He says there are noticeable differences in the neighboring coastal cities. The main differences are the cultural differences, the ethnic differences. Uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of white people south of here. <laughs> and uh, that's just how it is. The city is about 36% Hispanic or Latino, while Carlsbad and Encinitas are each 14%, according to census data. Cordner says the differences aren't just ethnic. Oceanside, um, I think for the longest time, has had the stereotype that it's a, it's a rough city. Um, you know, uh, there's gangs, there's homeless, prostitution, all sorts of things. But how did Oceanside get that rough stereotype? Christy Hawthorne is with the Oceanside Historical Society. With a name like Oceanside, it says it all. Um, it was uh, established in 1883 by Andrew Jackson Myers, and his sole purpose for developing his town of Oceanside was to bring people to it. She says the reason Oceanside stayed cheaper actually has to do with malls. In the 60s, the introduction of malls changed downtown USA and removed stores from Oceanside's downtown. So when our downtown changed and all of our department stores, shoe stores, clothing stores, they all went to the mall, what was left in Oceanside? Nothing. We had a lot of vacancies. Vacant storefronts and lots took over, and Oceanside became known as Ocean Slime. When the car dealerships moved to car country Carlsbad, what were we left with? We were empty lots or then that went into used car lots. We were once this mecca of, of you know, shopping and car buying with a high you know, tax revenue to used car lots, surplus stores, and, and, and empty vacancies. But that also made Oceanside cheaper, a place where a blue-collar working family could afford a home near the beach. Ten years ago, the average price for a home in Oceanside was $313,000, while the average price in Carlsbad was $559,000 and $709,000 in Encinitas. But now Oceanside's real estate prices are spiking. They've almost tripled in the past 10 years. That's much faster growth than in other nearby cities. Oceanside's nickname, Ocean Slime, is fading away. And Hawthorne says it's showing signs it will live up to its original potential as a resort city. 
1887, we actually got a, a resort hotel. It was called the South Pacific Hotel. It was a four-story hotel uh, that um, was right on the bluff about where the, the current Wyndham uh, property is now. And uh, it was built solely to attract uh, new land buyers, uh, visitors, and uh, vacationers. I think within the last 10 years, things have really changed a lot for the uh, in the community. Zach Cordner with the Osider and Encinitas magazines will continue to document those changes. Though he says the changes could hurt some communities. There'll be pockets like that, I think, that can can weather the storm. But I think overall, all the different neighborhoods of Oceanside, it, it, prices are going to go up and locals are going to get squeezed out. It's just it's a fact and it's sad. We'll talk more about gentrification tomorrow. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. Coming up, how the pandemic has impacted San Diego's performing arts scene. That's next, just after the break. I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. KPBS has launched a series of stories that explore the impact the last two years of the pandemic has had on performing artists in San Diego. Producers Emily Mohebi and Julia Dixon-Evans have gathered stories from some of the individuals directly affected. We begin with classical performance, the world of choral, dance, opera, and instrumental music. Around the same time that Governor Newsom issued the first stay-at-home order, the San Diego Gay Men's Chorus was dealing with a small outbreak of their own. I asked the choir's executive director, Jeff Heine, about their experience and whether they had a sense of how the choir would weather the pandemic. At the time, you know, when we went into lockdown back in March of 2020, I think everyone kind of thought this was going to be a temporary thing. You know, we were all eager and willing to go through the protocols that had been recommended to us that we were hearing on the news, what we had to do to shut down, but thinking that this would be a very, very short term, you know, less than a month that we'd all be back to work. And I don't think we really understood the impact until after a couple of months. And then it did become a concern about uh, what do you do when your very artistic product is a super spreader event, you know, with our singers performing together, being in an audience. And now that it is two years later, what challenges are sticking around? 
you know, now that we're into two years of this uh, pandemic, I think the challenge is for us right now, and I don't know if it's a challenge or, or an opportunity, I would like to look at it as an opportunity that we now have a chance to rebuild after the long hiatus of, uh, of the pandemic shutdown of not only just rebuilding, but looking at what we've done, looking at how our organization is run, looking at the shows that we produce, and is this Finally, that opportunity of given time where we can actually take a look at uh, our future and see if we can emerge, you know, in other words, like what's the new normal for us as we emerge from this, what does our new normal look like? And that doesn't have to be uh, a challenge. It can actually be a very exciting thing. I think for me, how I would define our new normal or, you know, rebuilding to a new normal is looking at the performances that we do. What can we do to maintain this virtual um, component that we've all had to learn the hard way to manage and to produce. After hearing from the San Diego Gay Men's Chorus, we wondered what was it really like as a performer during these last two years as the evolving pandemic changed their ability to work? We talked with several other performers from San Diego, starting with the opera. I'm Sarah Nicole Carter. I'm a mezzo-soprano. I sing with San Diego Opera, and I'm the co-founder and artistic director of the FF Collective. Your body is your instrument, right? So just like dance, of course, you know, your body is your instrument. So if you get sick, you don't make money. And our contract structure is built like that. So you get paid by stepping a foot onto the stage. You don't get paid for the six months you take to learn a role. You don't get paid for the weeks of rehearsal beforehand. You get paid when your foot touches the stage. So when something like a pandemic happens globally and you're not allowed to open your mouth, really, and then you're classified as a super spreader because you're an opera singer, and then you're told your job isn't essential. That's a lot of blows all to take at once. Most of the people in my industry who were working full-time as opera singers, that just went away for two years. So the opera industry is now undergoing a lot of changes because a lot of singers has found other careers that they found as fulfilling or more financially stable. But the biggest takeaways for me from the pandemic were the industry is going to have to change in some ways to better serve its artists. Singing in a mask has been a really interesting challenge. I think different singers react to it in different ways, depending on their technique. I don't love it. Initially, when we had the cloth masks, a lot of times you'd breathe them into your face, which is why singing masks became a thing. You didn't really have the ability to open your mouth and jaw freely and move freely. There, there were plenty of times where I would like literally suck mask into my mouth while we were singing when I was taking inhalation. So a lot of people started developing these singer's masks. Those allow for you to do free jaw, face, anything you need to do with your body to actually do our job. But there's also a huge difference in what the audience is hearing when it's a masked singer or a masked chorus. Ballet dancers may not need to sing through special masks, but like an opera singer, their bodies are their instrument and their livelihood. I am Stephanie Majorano, and I am a ballerina with the San Diego Ballet Company. The last two years have kind of been a blur. I almost don't remember what it was like before we had these two years. I mean, for as long as I can remember, since I was like 11, I was going to dance studios every day, having performances every couple months. And I really took it for granted because I feel like, you know, that's just the life of a dancer. You get up, you go to the studio, you take class, you rehearse, and then you go into a theater on stage and you perform. So when that was all taken away from us so quickly, it was kind of um, a super surreal 
experience. Cause as dancers, how do we stay in shape? You need enough space to, you know, kick your leg in the air, to jump, to turn. And, you know, a piano player can still play their piano in their home. A singer can still sing, but a dancer, especially a ballerina, they need somewhere to wear their point shoes. They need to keep training and keep dancing. Otherwise you lose it. And it was really sad because the first year of the pandemic, I saw so many students and professionals leave ballet, completely quit because they couldn't take the thought of trying to get back into shape. But what I was surprised about was how resilient I was and the dancers that I know were. We immediately got to work trying to find ways to find classes online. It was hard not performing. It was hard not being in a theater and stopping and like thinking about all these things. It gave me like a, a new perspective on what's so important about having an audience gather and, and for me to share this passion that I have. One of the things we heard from performing artists over the last two years is that part of how they make ends meet is through teaching lessons. And for some, teaching is their primary passion. And when you're used to physically sharing space with your students, a lot gets lost in the ether. Carol Seafelt is a piano teacher and co-founder of the San Diego Music Academy. So all of us pretty much had to improvise overnight with the lesson equipment set up, um, maybe change the lesson focus a little bit. So we did initially experience a slight drop in the enrollment, um, I remember correctly, and it was a variety of reasons. And some families, parents very sadly lost their jobs and they don't have that income anymore. And also um, a lot of students have now increased screen time so teaching on Zoom, I would say definitely had disadvantages, but also perks as well. So um, for a regular Zoom lesson, depending on the camera angle, um, for my own lesson especially, and the quality of the sound, if, they, if the students were on a computer or a phone does make a big difference, it could be really hard to hear the lower and the higher pitches. And it's almost impossible to tell the balance between the hands. Also for beginners, I think it was um, definitely a challenge because we were not able to do any posture corrections for young beginners. And they, they mainly depend on the teacher physically um, being there for the guidance. And I'm a piano teacher, so, so that's an area I can speak for. But I also know for other instruments like string players, there is that posture as well. There's the tuning. Um, you a lot of teachers tune for their young students. For a woodwind instruments, it would be, you know, how the joints align and, and things like that. So that's definitely a challenge. Now that we see things opening up, we, we do see an uh, increase with people turning to music, especially during the time of change. Tomorrow, in part two of this series, we look at the way the past two years of the pandemic have impacted the theater. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day.